there's a new offer from Strava Craft Coffee. You're going to want to hear this. If you're a fan of Strava, if you're a loyal Strava drinker like me, like a lot of us here at DNVR, Strava is now offering a 25% off code to our listeners. So for everyone who's already used up your 20% code, you can re-up and save 25% when you use the code DNVR25 at checkout. Use code DNVR25 at checkout to get 25% off your order from StravaCraftCoffee.com. Of course, it's packed with CBD. It can help relieve long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, a lot of other aches and pains that you might have. So StravaCraftCoffee.com, that's where you got to go. Use code DNVR25, DNVR25 to save 25% off your order. What's up, guys? Welcome into the DNVR Nuggets podcast, Friday edition of the program. Of course, we are presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. New users, make sure to download a DraftKings Sportsbook and use the promo code DNVR to sign up. You can get $100 after betting $1 if either fighter in the main event fight at UFC 259 this weekend lands one punch. Uh, that's right. You can bet a dollar, win $100. If one of the fighters at uh, UFC 259 this weekend lands one punch. I'm Harrison Wind. Alongside me is Brendan Vote. How's it going, man? Good, brother. Ready to run some two-man game into the all-star break here. Let's do it. Yeah. Are, are we a better two-man game than Jamal Murray and Nikola Yoke? Probably not. That is a very high bar, but uh, I would say we're like a league average probably. Are we like a um, Trey Young, Clint Capella two-man yeah, game? Yeah, I like that. I'll be Clint. I think that makes most sense. Or are we maybe a uh, De'Aaron Fox, Rashawn Holmes two-man game against the that, Nuggets? That's pretty yeah, that, combination. that's too, too painful for the fan base, Harrison. No way. All right. Well, a bunch to get into today. Of course, we're coming off that Nuggets win over the Pacers. Nuggets are on a four-game winning streak heading into the All-Star break. But as always... We've got tons and tons of questions surrounding this team right now. Uh, Michael Malone's job is never easy. It's never nope. easy. So we will tell him exactly what he should be doing and what he should not be doing. And I'm sure he'll listen. I'm sure he'll listen. <laughs> uh, yeah, but we'll get to some questions that you guys posted in the Discord. Of course, that's a great benefit of being a member of DNVR. You get access to an unbelievable Discord where there's just nuggets conversation going on all day, every day. Tons of other channels as well, Broncos, Rockies, Avs, even non-sports channels that get popping all day. So one of the great uh, benefits, like I said, of being a DNVR member. I want to start off today, Vote, with the All-Star Draft that happened last night, kind of just as that Nuggets-Pacers game was tipping off. Nikola Jokic got drafted by Team LeBron. He'll play with an absolute stacked roster. I saw the line for this game is um, Team LeBron minus four and a half points, I believe. Th- does that sound about right to you? Yeah, because all-star games go in both directions. But um, if we're just looking at these rosters on paper, that is not enough, Harrison. The line should be way bigger. LeBron drafted maybe one of the three best teams ever assembled for any reason. It's, uh, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, no surprise either. 
LeBron dominates these drafts whenever he does that. And yeah, that's, that's true. why he's won every single all-star game where there's been a draft. Um, my, my biggest shock was that he didn't go Kawhi Leonard uh, with his first overall pick as he has uh, in one of the past drafts. And he's always wound up with Kawhi on his team, but he goes Giannis, then goes Steph Curry, then goes Luka Doncic, then goes Nicole Jokic. And I mean, it's all about the starters in this game. We know that, but yeah, this is team LeBron's to lose. He always dominates the draft. He knows exactly what he's doing. Uh, he's going to be a GM in this league someday or an owner or both. So no surprise that he dominated another draft. And the reason Jokic went to team LeBron, I guess LeBron went into it. This is my thinking, knowing he was just going to maybe let Durant pick what big man he wanted right. and fall. He would wind up with the other big man. I don't know, but Durant picked Joel Embiid with his second pick. And that meant that, LeBron was going to wind up with Nicole Jokic regardless, I guess. I actually liked LeBron's strategy here. I mean, obviously we all want to see our guy go as early as possible, but he's right to do that. I think you get the premier sort of like wings and guards when you can. Like One of these two teams is walking away with the MVP favorite, right? In Embiid or Jokic, depending on your opinion. So I actually thought that was the right approach, uh, but hilarious still, Harrison, that through all we've said about Jokic catching on in the mainstream and, and people waking up, the, the list of guys he was taken after in this draft, and this year of all years, still an ounce of disrespect on that. Mm, definite disrespect. There's definite disrespect, and I know Nicole Jokic, this is going to motivate him beyond anything else to just That's have right. an unbelievable second half of the season. <laughs> he's going to be so pissed off by this slight in the All-Star draft that uh, he's going to go on a tear. Uh, no, he doesn't care. Um, I, I do think that team LeBron caters more towards Jokic than team Durant. I mean, team Durant, team Durant is pretty much the, uh, the no head coach, no offense, no defense, just vibes vibes. in Brooklyn right now. Kyrie Irving, uh, that was a lock. He was a lock to go to team Durant with, with the teammate connection there. Joel Embiid, Kawhi Leonard, Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum. I mean, James Harden. Uh, this is like, this could be the Brooklyn Nets in two years, you know? Right. So, <laughs> not surprised by those picks, but Team LeBron, you got the international connection. You got the European connection with uh, Giannis, with Luka. I think this, this sets up well for Jokic. It probably won't shake out this way because it's an all-star game. But there's a real argument to make this starting five from LeBron. That's as much passing on the floor at one time as like we've ever seen. I know it's just an all-star game, but that's ridiculous. LeBron, Luka, Jokic, even Steph, who's underrated in that regard. Uh, You always want to put a premier shooter uh, around Yoke. Steph fits that bill better than anyone. Um, But you just have five high IQ players and then, or maybe four and and a special brute force guy in Giannis. So I don't know. I think, I think this is this is set up to, to favor Jokic. And I just hope we don't ignore him out there. Let the big fella touch the ball. I know an all-star game is weird for a player like Jokic because some of his highlights really come off of manipulating team defense and other dynamics that really won't exist in this game. Uh, but let him try stuff. Let him have fun, man. It's time to see it. Yeah, him being a starter is kind of a game changer because yes. the all-star game, it's just all about the starters. Everybody gets in, but... 
the five starters, those guys are going to be on the floor usually by far the most. They're going to be on the floor to start the game. Obviously, they're going to be on the floor to close the game. Uh, that's who this game is catered around. So he's kind of been uh, like a supporting actor in these last couple all-star games. He's got a, you know, a couple highlights, a couple cheeky plays that he's made here and there, but this is really going to be the first time where he's on center stage. So I'm excited. I'm excited. And he just seems more comfortable in his own skin than he's ever been this season. Mm. He's super comfortable, obviously with his play. And I think he's super comfortable just kind of being in that tier with the NBA's elite right now. He knows he's that good. He knows he belongs there. So I expect to see a very eventful performance from him uh, in this game. I hope so, man. I loved his reaction. Pretty candid Jokic saying, uh, I'm not going to lie, that is a pretty good team. He should be excited. He should be excited to be a part of that group uh, to, to be. And again, as you mentioned, a part of that starting group, everyone is falling all over themselves with the group LeBron drafted, and that includes Jokic at the five. He's just in there now in everyone's minds as at least a tier two superstar. Of course, we know him as tier one, um, but it's cool, man. We're, we're watching Jokic grow into himself. And I think a real cherry on top of that as a storyline in this season so far would be him coming out and having an all-star level impact in this game. What did you think of Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert being the last two picks of this draft? Uh, Donovan Mitchell goes... Second to last with Kevin Durant's last pick. Rudy Gobert goes last in this draft, 23rd overall to LeBron James. Were you surprised by that? Or were you uh, kind of expecting the two jazz men from the best team in the league so far this season record-wise to fall all the way down? It's not really that surprising. And that's the thing about the jazz. It's, It's no disrespect to the team. Uh, which is far better than people like myself have given them credit for, um, which could very well end up beating a lot of these good teams and great players in the playoffs. But if you look at the all-star game and, and what comprises it, Rudy Gobert going last is no surprise at all. Even a Sabonis has more flair and more all-star skill set than Gobert. Um, Go- Gobert deserves to be here. Like I'm happy for him in, in his career getting this. But what do you do with Rudy Gobert in an all-star game? He's a rim protector. Screen assists. Who's tracking that? Probably no one. So Jazz Gobert, Jazz fans. Gobert, not so much. Uh, Mitchell, a little bit though, man. Especially after what he did in the playoffs against Jamal. I mean, I know he's not necessarily having an electric season. You've always been pretty good. Um, I, I do think Mitchell gets a little disrespected. What he did in the playoff. We talk so much about Jamal and his peak being something that so few guys can reach. Mitchell kind of reached it in that same series. So I do think he gets a little disrespected. Yeah, I'm with you. Not surprised Rudy Gobert went last in this draft. He is the player that I think I and LeBron James and Kevin Durant just want to play with least out of all these guys. And look, I don't want to hear anything about how Rudy Gobert scored like 23 points in the All-Star game last year. That's not what this is about. Yeah, he can get the ball. Great. Do you want to play with him? Are you going to have as much fun as possible playing with Rudy Gobert? No, you're just not. He's not a fun player to play with in this type of environment. So not surprised at all that he went last. A little more surprised like you were on Donovan Mitchell. But then again, when you get down here in kind of the last few picks of this draft, I think LeBron and Kevin Durant, like you just want guys who can shoot the ball and who are kind of going to play a role. 
And mm. Donovan Mitchell, out of all these guys that kind of went late here, Sabonis, Vucevic, Julius Randle, Paul George even, Jalen Brown, Donovan Mitchell's the one guy out of that group that I could see just absolutely trying <laughs> to win this game. And if I'm LeBron, if I'm Durant, I don't want Donovan Mitchell trying to take over this game. Mm. Maybe that's why he fell. Hey, that serves as an explanation. It makes some sense to me. How, how about LeBron's quote after the draft? It's no disrespect to the Utah Jazz. You've got to understand no one grew up playing with the Jazz in 2K. At this point, I'm paraphrasing, but that's pretty much LeBron's quote. Um, also translated as, it was never, it's not disrespect. You just have to understand we never respected them in the first place. Yeah. Also, translation, the Jazz have never been cool. They've yep. just never been a cool team. Like, I'm sorry. They just haven't. Nobody likes them. Nobody wants and it, them. And this year is the perfect example of, like, that's never going to change. They are literally the best version of themselves, arguably the most fun team to watch in all of basketball right now, and no one wants any part of it. To be clear, as a Jazz fan and as some small market knights ourselves, were this happening to the Nuggets, I'd be livid. And so to some extent, I do feel for Jazz Nation. Uh, but then when I say that out loud, I realize I don't, actually. Yeah, I mean, you guys know me. I've said on this pod before, like I've liked previous versions of, of the Jazz. I respect how they built their team. They've kind of built their team like the Nuggets have, just with a patient approach through the draft. And I'm a fan of what they've done. Um, I like the organization that they've got. I like how they've built the team. I, I like how they how Quinn Snyder coaches. Look, you got to give props to them. They're having an unbelievable season. Yep. Um, and part of me is happy for the Jazz, to be quite honest. Mm. Part of me is happy for them because, look, it's so funny. If you compare and contrast the Nuggets and Jazz, let's think about the Nuggets where they were, you know, three weeks ago before they really shifted things into, into gear, before this last four-game win streak when Michael Porter Jr. was still kind of at a low point this season and everybody wanted to trade for Bradley Beal. Um, you – People were talking like, look, oh, the Nuggets, you know, they need to act now. They need to make a win now move. You're going to waste this season from Nikola Jokic. Well, the Jazz pretty much ran it back from last year's team. Right. After losing that 3-1 lead to the Nuggets in the first round, they absolutely ran it back like the Nuggets have been doing each of these last couple of seasons, even though Denver had a little more roster turnover this last offseason. The Jazz ran it back banked on their continuity in this this year, which this year continuity probably means more or might mean more than it ever did. And look, things came to fruition. They're having right. an unbelievable season. Things just clicked. The Jazz deserve credit for that because I'm sure, I am sure there were people in Utah, just like there were people in Denver. Had to be, right? Had to be. For a move that maybe wasn't going to blow things up, but were clamoring for a big move Right after that 3-1 collapse against Denver. So I give props to the Jazz for running it back and believing and sticking to their plan. Big game 82 vibes out of Utah this year with the way they've handled the 3-1, um, allowing it to motivate them instead of breaking them. And I actually genuinely all jokes aside about like Jazz fans and appreciation and all that, they're super fun to watch right now. They're playing the game the right way. So I'm with you to the extent that you articulated. I am happy for the organization. All right, so I think we might be doing some sort of uh, stream alongside or after the All-Star game on Sunday. So keep an eye out for that. It'll be on the DMVR YouTube and uh, Periscope, of course. So 
that would be fun. Uh, I think we might pop into the office for that one Sunday night. We've also got some questions about the state of the Nuggets and really that kind of surround the key storylines to track after the Nuggets come out of this all-star break. First though, gotta tell you about Hassle Cattle Company. Hassle Cattle Company is the best damn Wagyu beef around. Uh, They call their beef the blue collar Wagyu because it's incredible. It's affordable and it's just really high quality Wagyu beef. They've got everything at Hassle Cattle Company from smoked sausage to New York strip, beef bacon, Wagyu Frank, two jerky flavors. Like I said, they've got everything. You guys can get Hassle Cattle Company for 10% off when you use the code DNVR10 at HassleCattleCompany.com, H-A-S-S-E-L-L CattleCompany.com. Best part about it is you'll get it delivered right to your door. Also, any orders over $200, you'll receive free shipping. So check them out today. Use code DNVR10 for 10% off your order. Also guys, we got UFC 259 this weekend. And it's sure to be action-packed with three title fights taking place in one night. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC, is putting you in the center of this weekend's title fight with 100 to 1 odds on either fighter to land a punch during the title fight. So all you got to do to take advantage of this offer with DraftKings, if you are a new user, sign up using the promo code DNVR and then pick either main event fighter to land one single punch during this weekend's UFC 259 bout and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 100 to one odds. Just that easy bet $1 on either fighter to land a punch. If that happens, you will cash $100. So make sure to download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR when you sign up to turn $1 into $100. If either main fighter lands a punch in the main event Saturday, place your bet, win $100 if that one punch gets landed landed that's code dnvr to turn one dollar into one hundred dollars if either fighter lands a punch must be 21 or older colorado only new customers only restrictions apply see draftkings.com slash sportsbook for details gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 all right back here on the dnvr nuggets podcast on a friday sending you into the all-star break harrison wind alongside brendan vote so Coming out of this all-star break, man, the Nuggets are going to have a ton of questions, like they always do. Michael Malone's going to have to make a lot of tough decisions, like he always has to make. We've got some questions from the DNVR Nuggets Discord. And again, the Discord is just an awesome bonus of being a DNVR member. If you are a member, you get access to it. There's a Nuggets channel that has conversation going every day. A Rockies channel, Nav's channel, Broncos channel, non-sports channels as well. But we got some questions from there. Vote, do you want to hit us with one of those to get started? Sure. Yeah, the homie Tate, a.k.a. Master Tater from the Discord, wants to know what do rotations look like when everyone is healthy? We talked a little bit last night, went on the show about maybe what each of us would like to see, but this is a question more about our expectations. We're role-playing. What will Malone do? And uh, I'm glad Tate asked because it's definitely, I think, the biggest question heading into the, the second half. For sure. So I think the biggest kind of pivot point of the question about the rotations comes down to who's playing and starting at power forward. Like that's probably the biggest thing that has ramifications. I think that Michael Porter Jr. should continue to start at power forward. They've had such great success with him 
as of late there, obviously the four game winning streak, I think they're five and one since they started him there. And that one loss was to the wizards. And look, if Denver just runs a fast break correctly, a three on one fast break correctly, they win that game. And suddenly Denver's on a uh, six game winning streak heading into the all-star break. But if he's starting at the four, which I would prefer and I am going to give Michael Malone the benefit of the doubt and predict that coming out of the break, Michael Porter Jr. is continuing to start at the four. I am going to then say that Paul Millsap and Jamichael Green shift into the Nuggets backup four five. And that, of course, would mean Naji's out of the rotation, which I don't love. That's right. the initial read. That's my initial prediction. What do you think? I Look... All signs point to they should start MPJ at the four. There is no doubt about it. Um, but Malone is a loyalty guy, man. Like, if you've earned one of his spots, you have to lose one of those spots. Just look at Will Barton, Garrett Harris, and Paul Millsap. And both Paul Millsap and Jermichael Green are real, like, bring your bring your lunch pail to work kind of guys, right? Did I get that right? Whatever Malone's expression is. They, they, he really, they fit. Lunch pail to work. Yeah, I think that's right. I got that right, right? So that's... I'm with you that I think he sees what the rest of us see, but I don't know. I'm, I'm a little more hesitant to say that he's going to make that switch when I think he's just going to want to put one of those two guys in the starting lineup. Um, but I, I think it should be MPJ at the four. Yeah. You're right that, you know, Malone is loyal to his guys. He's absolutely loyal to his guys. He's loyal to his veteran veterans in particular, the guys who have been here for a while. Paul Millsap opened this year as the Nuggets starting power forward. He's played okay. Uh, He's shooting the ball well, but has obviously lost another step, I think, from where he was last year, even in last year's playoffs. And look, what the Nuggets have discovered here with Porter at the four, I really think it's groundbreaking. I I think it's very, a, a very, very real thing. With Porter at the four, their offense has been unbelievable. They've got the second best offense since they went to him as their starting power forward. And if you remember, they went to him first in that win over Portland. And like I said, they're five and one since with that loss coming to the Wizards. They're the second best offense in the league over that span. And really, they're pretty much the best offense. They are 0.01 points per 100 possessions behind Brooklyn. Wow. as the best offense in the league over these last six games. So moving Porter to the four full time, it's taken a really, really good offense and made the Nuggets an absolutely elite offense. And right. that's part of the reason why coming into the season, I thought Denver could have the best offense of all time. They have the elements for a great offensive team, but if they kind of made the right moves and hit the right notes, they had an opportunity to level up even more. And they've done that. That's what Porter, moving Porter to the four has done. They've also been the seventh best defense over that span. Um, obviously, the big defensive performance against the Bucks. I'm not sure how real that was. Looking back on it, I mean, the Bucks just missed the. He missed some shots. Yeah, it was Milwaukee's second worst three point shooting performance of the season. Um, but you know, over these last six games, Nuggets also have the best net rating in the league, and I thought. The defensive performance against the Pacers was good. But you also saw against the Pacers just 
how difficult Denver is to guard with Porter at the four. I mean, Miles Turner couldn't guard him, you know, right. Coming down in transition, Turner's not used to guarding that type of guy. So it's an incredible mismatch with him there. I think it's really opened up a lot of other things for this offense. If they can play good defense, I don't see a reason really not to start him there. Altered the entire dynamic of that game too, right? Like Turner is one of the very best rim protectors and defensive players in the league. And there was so little for him to even do in that game defensively, except to try to contain an elite shooter, which is not his skill set. So I'm with you. The thing is, MPJ at the four begets this question then, which is who is the three? And offensively, there's an easy question. Easy answer to this question, in my opinion. And it's for all of the, in my opinion, in my opinion, like justifiable frustration with Will Barton this year. He works in that lineup offensively when he's at the three, Porter's at the four. If you have Murray and Jokic out there, like these guys are going to eviscerate teams. Um, even with some bad nights from Barton sprinkled in there. The question is, is that viable defensively in the playoffs? And so, you know, PJ Dozier comes into play here. Um and this is also really where you start looking at potential trades. I don't know if they can find a starter via trade Harrison, but just that they don't have a true wing one way or another. Um, it throws a bit of a hiccup in the Porter at the four plan. So do you have a preferred starting lineup? Do you have a preferred starting lineup when everybody's healthy? You know, say Gary Harris is healthy. Say Paul Millsap, Michael Green are healthy. Say the Nuggets are at full health. Do you have a preferred starting lineup to start games, not closing lineup, a preferred starting lineup in your head? Well, this is where it gets tough for me. Uh, Is it the regular season for this exercise? Sure. Say coming out of all-star break, everybody is healthy. What is your preferred starting lineup? I like Monte, Jamal, um, Barton, and PJ Jokic. Okay. And defensively there are questions i just think offensively they're so dominant uh it might not matter in a regular season setting you know morris hasn't even played that well individually since coming back from the injury it's a good point but just this dynamic of of him being the point guard jamal getting to play a little more off ball um something you've been on for years like that works um the issue of course like do you feel okay about morris murray barton lining up next to each other defensively and particularly so in the playoffs. And that's why this exercise is so difficult to me because I think there are two different answers there. And, and I wish I could just give one. Yeah. So my preferred starting lineup is a little different. My preferred starting lineup is Jamal Murray at the one, Gary Harris at the two, Will Barton at the three, Michael Porter Jr. at the four, Nicole Jokic at the five. I know the Nuggets have had a lot of success with this current starting lineup as of late. They've won five of six. They're on a four-game winning streak. The vibes are as good as they've been all year. Of course, we know that. Um, But I think if you dig a little more into this starting lineup's numbers, I'm not as gung-ho on it. Like, they are a plus 57, this current starting lineup, the Murray, Morris, Porter, Barton, Jokic, five. They are a plus 57 in 131 minutes. That's incredible. Like, those numbers are awesome. But if you look at those numbers – They were a plus 29 in that blowout win against the Thunder, a plus 20 in a really easy win over Chicago. Then if you look at those other four games, they were only a plus one versus Portland, a plus one versus the Wizards, a minus one versus the Bucks, and a minus 19 versus the Pacers. So aside from two blowout wins, 
that lineup is, you know, pretty much playing the opponent even. Sure. And I really do think that if you just surround Murray, Jokic, and Michael Porter Jr. with two elite defenders, that just might be the blueprint for this team. Gary Harris, I think, is an elite defender. And he's also such a low usage guy that he fits with those three. Will Barton, not an elite defender. I think he can be a really good defender when he's locked in. But, you know, the Nuggets might not have another guy who fits that elite category other than Zeke Naji, who, by the way, I, I think should be in the rotation, but he might be the odd man out here. And look, I, I just don't think there's a chance that he starts for this team coming out of the break. Right. Barton, in my opinion, is the next best option to put there. That's my five. Um, I'm a bigger fan than Gar- of Gary Harris than a lot of people. I, I just think his defense is kind of needed with that starting group. And he can play a really nice complimentary role with those other guys. And look, I know I've been on the thing about playing Jamal alongside another point guard. And believe me, that is definitely one of the reasons why he's had 12, 20 plus scoring nights in a row, why he's been unbelievable uh, over the last month. But if you just find him minutes with a Monte Morris or a fucking Pazzo with bench lineups, and with other lineups over the course of the game, I don't think you necessarily have to start. Yeah. Alongside another point guard. That's a really good point. The Gary Harris thing is interesting because prior to this injury, he was growing back into a Jokic ball player, right? Here's two to three things I do really well. I try to limit myself to just that. And those things were good, right? Like cutting, shooting well from the corners, which he was doing. I just, there's still an element of like, every time Gary puts the ball on the floor, I kind of hold my breath a little. And there there's a seamlessness and a flow right now to this unit that seems to have unlocked so much for them, but you make a really good point that that can be unlocked via different lineup combinations throughout the game. Doesn't necessarily have to be your starting lineup, which can also be different from your closing lineup. So I may have forgotten how good Gary looked prior to the injury. I just kind of have him labeled as a big question mark because I mean, it's not just like he rolled an ankle or jammed a finger. Like it's another adductor strain. And like, this is, this is problematic, right? For a guy who, who seems to have been sapped by such injuries. So I think you're right. Ideally he's there. The biggest question mark in this whole thing, dude. And, and we, you know, don't want to beat a dead horse. Cause we talked about it last night, but we're looking for the one in the, you know, maybe that guard alongside Jamal or someone to play the wing and PJ Dozier could potentially be both. Um, not quite there with him yet. There's like a, I think a certain trust factor of him playing as like a, a primary guard that you need to see a little more of. But in an ideal world, I think you feel comfortable putting Dozier out there as just another guy that can run DHOs, a guy that can play some quality defense, um, and just good size, just staying long when you can. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Dozier because he's just totally the wild card in every single lineup combination yeah. and rotation that the Nuggets could go to. And a, a final note on Gary. Yeah, I put him in my preferred starting lineup. He might be the least likely guy to be healthy out of the guys who are out right now coming out of this break. I mean, the adductor is obviously something that Denver can't mess around with and he can't mess around with after he just re-aggravated it in his first right. game a couple weeks ago. So maybe he's not even healthy coming out of this break. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, on Dozier, man, he is such an interesting piece for this team. If he's shooting the ball the way he has, that kind of changes things for the Nuggets. Um he is just such a uh, 
I don't, I don't even know what his usage is, but he seems like he's such a high usage guy whenever he's out there. Mm-hmm. I almost wonder if he's a better fit with the bench. Yeah. yeah. A better fit as that three alongside Murray and Monte Morris or alongside Murray and Faku Campazzo. If he's a better fit there than he is with the starters, just because him and Gary, like Gary's going to be such a more low usage guy than Dozier. Dozier, honestly, I think every time he gets the ball, he's thinking score. I really percent. And I wonder about that alongside Jamal, Michael Porter, and the Jokic. I love that objection. I, I think it's the key one, and it's why ultimately I'm with you. I think as of right now, it's still Dozier with the bench. Um, plus, hey, the benches looked pretty good lately, which they haven't all season. And, and maybe you don't want to don't want to mess with that either, uh, or for most of the season, I should say, not all season. But I think the ultimate question then, dude, comes down to like we seem to be in agreement about MPJ at the four. Barton at the three probably works at least for now. Do you go back to to Jamal Gary, or do you like the idea of either Faku or Monte alongside him? And uh, look, I think there's a valid uh reason to, to go in either direction but ultimately defensively i think you're right about trying to get gary out there all right let's move along though um this does kind of tie in you hit on this briefly we can probably flesh out the thought a little more peter aka price 303 wants to know is mpj at the four not just best for the offense harrison but also good for the defense yeah that's tough uh, i don't know if we've seen it enough and have a big enough sample size to definitively say one way or another you know before these last couple of games and before Porter I think has made this jump defensively like that is the biggest question about playing him at the four can he be a good enough team defender on the back side of the defense to just be on point with his rotations on point with his help side like Paul Millsap was for, you know, so many years alongside Nicole Jokic. That's the biggest question when you're playing poor at the four defensively. And look, the Nuggets have had a couple solid defensive games uh, with Porter at the four more. I mean, they've been more than solid. I'm kind of underselling that. Yeah. Like I was saying earlier, they've been, I think the seventh best defense in the league over the last six games since they've gone to this current starting lineup. And they played some really good offenses over that time. Um, so, yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I don't think we have enough data yet, but just Porter's whole mindset, and I know we've talked about this on the pod a lot, but it's so encouraging. And, and I really think there's been a breakthrough there where he knows he's got to be an above-average defender to play this role, to play the four a ton of minutes right. and on the court in high-leverage situations in the playoffs. That message has totally gotten through to him. And, I mean, if you're a Nuggets fan, that, that, that's, that's like the biggest thing to be positive about right now, that he is buying right. on that end. So it's a tough one. I don't know. I think it might be best for the team defense insofar as one way or another, Porter is going to be a part of your team defense. And he seems to be far more well-suited to defend fours than threes, at least to this point. Um, and, you know, he's not – as terrible a help side defender or a rim protector as one might expect based off how often he's lost. Like he actually makes some sneaky good rotations sometimes. And when you're six eleven and athletic, like there's room for error that shot he blocks to, to launch what you call the sequence of the night with that Murray duck mm-hmm. um, that shot he blocked. Like that's, that's big time stuff. Right. And that's, 
So you kind of like him as a four kind of wreaking havoc with his athleticism a little more than like, Hey, can you stay in front of Chris Middleton, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James? No. Yeah. I think this is something we talked about right when this lineup switch happened, but you were just kind of saying it defending fours just in a one-on-one situation is generally going to be a lot more easier than defending threes. It just is. Um, you have to like track guys less around screens, you know, like I take last night for an example, if he's guarding a miles Turner or a Sabonis, those guys aren't running off screens like a Doug McDermott or a Jeremy lamb are. They're just not, it's an easier defensive assignment from a one-on-one perspective. Precisely. Yeah. And him being a good rebounder, I think really plays into him playing the four as well. Now, He's a good rebounder. There are a lot of situations, and I even saw some of these last night where he just has to box out more. You know, he's right. so yep. much taller than his matchup a lot of times, particularly when he's playing the three, and even a lot of times when he's going to be playing the four, that he can just out jump guys. But when he's playing the four, it's going to be even more important for him to box out. He'll have to box out the Miles Turners and the Sabonis of the world now if he's playing that position. So I think the ingredients are there. And, and look, yeah, he's guarding like bigger guys at the four, but on the other side of the floor, those guys are going to have to guard him. Guys, check out Green Mountain Dental Group if you're looking for a place to get your teeth cleaned, get cavities filled. A bunch of us at DNVR have gotten our wisdom teeth out as well. They're great people. They know what they're doing and they care about you as a customer. Uh, after our Ali Monroy, who's in charge of all our video stuff here at DNVR, after she got her wisdom teeth out, they called her every couple of days to check up, see how she was doing, see what meds she needed. So they really care about you as a customer. The best part about Green Mountain Dental Group, when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, they're going to hook you up with a free Sonicare toothbrush. So check them out today. They're great people. They're great at what they do. And a lot of us here at DNBR go to them as well. Also, guys, buying a house, it's a really, really complicated process, especially if you're a first-time home buyer without help. I'm really excited to buy a house eventually, but also really scared about what that process is going to look like. But the people at Chevalier Mortgage, Mike and Virginia Chevalier, they take a really complicated process and make it way easier uh, for you guys if you're a first time home buyer or you know if you've bought houses before. Uh, check them out today at dnvrmortgage.com. You can call Virginia directly at 303-257-6578. You can call Mike directly at 970-412-2472 and visit them at dnvrmortgage.com. When you go to that site, enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice, but most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all of your options at dnvrmortgage.com. Mike and Virginia, they work tirelessly to find the best loan for your situation. So visit them at dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. And before we move on, let's do a DraftKings pick of the week. Of course, the NVR Nuggets podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. If you're a new user, make sure to use promo code DNVR when you sign up. I am going to go right to Sunday night for this all-star game. And I am, what do I want to make this DraftKings pick of the week? I think I'm just going to go to the all-star game line and 
I'm going to take Team LeBron with the points. I'm going to take Team LeBron minus four. They're the favorite. They're a four-point favorite, but I'm going to take them to cover that spread. Team LeBron minus four. That's your DraftKings pick of the week for this week. All right, back here on the DMVR Nuggets podcast, Harrison Wind and Brendan Vote. We are presented, of course, by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR when you sign up. Brendan, let's wrap up here with a couple more questions from the Discord. Bucket since 88, who might also be a Peter, by the way. I can't remember. I think he is. Uh, he, he asks, is this break good or bad for the Nuggets right now in terms of timing? And it is a fascinating question because on one hand, boy, do the Nuggets need some time to rest up, get healthy, give their stars a break. On the other hand, Harrison, they just started having fun again. Um, How do you feel about this break right now? Yeah, there's definitely two sides of it. I'm going to say it's ultimately a good thing. It's ultimately a good thing. And, And look, we just spent, I don't even know how many minutes talking about the tough decisions Michael Malone's got to make with his rotation coming out of it. But The Nuggets needed this break. Nikola Jokic needed this break. Jamal Murray needed this break. Even though those guys are playing at an unbelievable level, Jokic still continuing the best basketball stretch of his career. Jamal Murray, obviously the best regular season stretch of his career. They needed this break. I was looking at the minutes that Nikola Jokic has played so far this season. And honestly, like, it's unbelievable, man. The load that he's carrying night in, night out. Um, on the year, he's averaging the eighth most minutes in the league, and he has played the second most minutes total in the NBA behind Julius Randle, who's playing for Tom Thibodeau. So, unreal. Jokic uh, has almost played 1,300 minutes already this year. It's the second biggest amount in the league. Joel Embiid, he's played 990 minutes. So Nikola Jokic has played 24% more minutes this year than Joel Embiid, which is just a wild, wild stat. So, yes, the Nuggets have a lot of great momentum right now. Uh, The vibes are immaculate. They're playing their best basketball of the season. They're playing consistent on both ends of the floor. But I do think they just need a break. You can even see it with Nikola over these last couple of games. He just a little – I don't know what the right word for it is. Just – his, his fuse is running a little short. Yeah, he looks a little tired. I, I'm sitting there and trying to figure out last night. I'm like, do you think he's tired? Dude, of course he's tired. Like, why would he not be? <laughs> so I'm with you. It's time for a break. The stars need a break. And then also everything we said about the vibes, while true, all it takes is really like another week before that shorthandedness catches up with you. <clears throat> and then it's another loss to a bad team. And then the vibes have gone to shit again, just like that. So I, I do think... Uh, it's time to get healthy. And as tough as these questions are, like you want all of your good players to play. <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> they found something, but you want the quality players to be back in the rotation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, we'll we'll see what happens with the rotation with the starting lineup um, coming out of the break. But um, yeah, th- this All Star break, it's kind of comforting in a sense, at least for me, that it hits at exactly the midway point of the season. Yeah, the all-star break, like two thirds of the way through the year. And it feels like it's a midway point, but it's really like you're entering the stretch run of the year afterward. Right. right. It is nice having it at the very middle of the season. Absolutely. For my OCD, if nothing less. But uh, 
Yeah, no, I, I think, yeah, and they've got a nice kind of favorable, at least on paper, second half of the schedule coming up. So rest up, get healthy, and then come out with this newfound attitude, this reminder of like, oh, yeah, when we're just balling, when we're just hooping, we're better than most teams. Yeah, no, I'm actually glad you brought up that point because I've got it in my notes here. The Nuggets have the 26th rated strength of schedule over the second half of the year. So Wonderful. they have the, what is that, the fifth easiest schedule in the league um, coming out of this break. So that's great. I mean, if you look at the schedule at Memphis, at Dallas, Indiana, Charlotte, Chicago, New Orleans, Orlando, Toronto, it's a lot of games that the Nuggets should win coming out of this break. So they've got a great opportunity to, to keep this ascension going. Yeah. And also like struggling teams, I mean, catching them in the second half of the season, a lot of these teams might just be packing it up and folding it in. Right. As opposed to like the, the Kings thinking it's the friggin' NBA finals. Um, you might be playing some teams who don't want to be there. So yeah, hopefully ideally uh, the Nugs are entering uh, better times here. Another question from the Discord from the homie Joseph. Uh, we talked about this a little bit. We can hit on it some more, though. PJ Dozier, if he if he plays well again coming out of the break, let's say another two, three weeks, does he enter that conversation of being in the starting lineup, not just now, but also in the playoffs? And, you know, I obviously think this question gets at what we've already highlighted, which are some of the defensive concerns and how this dynamic changes, you know, when you're in a postseason run. Yeah, it could come down to Gary Harris's health. Like, if Gary's not healthy, P.J. Dozier is probably the closest uh, guy d- just in terms of, like, his defensive skill set that you could sub in there. Like, if Gary's not healthy for the playoffs, could Dozier start the two? Maybe. Right. Rule that out. Um, but, again, like I was saying earlier, I, I think his score-first mindset fits better with the bench. Um, look, I-, I love P.J. Dozier, man. Um I love him as a player, just how unique he is. Like he's a six lead guard who can play one through three. In a pinch, you could have him at the four, even though we saw how that lineup fared earlier. <laughs> you know, he, he knows how to play that position, at least to the best of his ability. So I just really like him as a player. Uh, it's it's kind of tough to see how he fits into this team long-term. I mean, yeah. could he be the Will Barton for this team, maybe after Will Barton moves on after this season, which I think maybe he might, does he fill that kind of do it all role for Denver going forward? Maybe. I kind of look at him as potentially perhaps ideally the Gary understudy. And I know they're not in super similar in terms of their approach to the game, but you know, part of what we like so much about Monte alongside Murray versus Murray alongside Gary, like Dozier's kind of the compromise, right? In a world where he really sort of figures out to put a lid on, on like his aggressiveness, he's that defensive guard that can put the ball on the floor, run a pick and roll, run a DHO, and, and you don't have to feel like the offense skips a beat when he's out there. But that's all long-term, and a lot of that's like, it's a little assumptive, right? There are some questions left for Dozier to answer. And to be frank, I'd be pretty surprised if he's answered all of them by the postseason. So I just don't think he's going to be starting – but I, I do think he's going to be playing and making an impact. Oh, he's definitely going to be playing. Um, he's definitely going to be in the rotation. He's definitely going to be in the playoff rotation. He's too good of a defender. And Michael Malone just likes him too much for him not to be in yep. the rotation. That's the key, I think. Yeah. Well, that's it, man. That's it in our, our Discord questions for today. 
We appreciate appreciate the homies throwing those our way. Um, the Discord, again, Harrison touched on this, but it's such an awesome resource, or, or not even resource, just community, place to hang and talk nuggets. I get a lot of great information on Twitter. I actually ultimately like being on Twitter, but I see what everyone else sees when it devolves into a cesspool. Um, in our Discord, honest opinions are welcome. Everyone's opinions are welcome, but we try to weed out that toxic stuff. And I actually, I really love scrolling through it the day after a Nuggets game. So if you're a member, you haven't signed up yet, check it out at the dnvr.com. Check out that lounge tab and go ahead and sign up. Yeah, I guess my parting thought would be just kind of on the topic of, of how Michael Porter has looked over these last couple of weeks. It's like coming into the season – we talked about it a lot. I wrote about it. We talked about it on the podcast a ton. Getting him up to speed and finding that chemistry alongside Nicole Jokic and Jamal Murray was it, – it's selling it short to say it was the number one priority because it was the number one priority. And then there was like a football field of distance. Right. That yeah. number. <laughs> now, like that absolutely needs to happen this season. And it's trending towards – it really happening and yeah. what they've had and what they've done over these last six games with him alongside those three has just been awesome. It's been awesome to see. And I really believe that Porter's totally bought in to contributing in other areas and not letting an off shooting night kind of define his game. It's funny, like Michael Porter, he was this number one offensive guy forever. The number one option. Every play was run for him. He has the ball in his hands every single time down the floor in high school, uh, the couple games he played in in college. But now, you know, he gets like no plays run for him, you know? Right, right. It's all of his offense out of spot ups, transition, cutting, offensive rebounds. The points in offense he gets off screens is at the very bottom of just like his offensive profile. And I think he's getting very close or maybe this has already happened to just accepting that and working with it and knowing he's going to have to pick and choose his spots um, because Nicole Jokic and Jamal Murray are just that good. And the momentum that they've got with those big three playing together, I think it's real and Porter's defensive improvement and buy-in. I think it's absolutely real. And I, I just think it sets up for a really exciting second half of the season. Yeah, I hate to sound like I'm just carrying water for the guy, but I have really been impressed, man. I, from a maturity standpoint, this is not an easy path at all. I mean, very few guys of his, like cut from the cloth that he's cut from in terms of talent, have had to take this path into their first rotation, right? I mean, this has just been remarkable, and I'm sure there have been hiccups along the way. Like, we are not privy to all of it. But at the very least, he says the right stuff. And I think if you look at this last month, it's pretty clear um, that whether it works out or not, he gets it and he's making that effort. And I just think that in itself is a huge win. Um, but also even right now, like if the guy never improved, who he is right now is a pretty viable third option, man, on a competitive team. Sure. He's going to grab rebounds. He's going to space the floor and he might block a shot or two. And like that is the skill set. That's a complimentary skill set. So uh, if you had to guess right now, man, I, I think you should be guessing, yes, this works out and, and this is a, a viable formula going into the playoffs. Yeah. If you look at Porter's stats over these last six games at the four, where he's playing primarily power forward, 17 points per game, 58% shooting from the field, 53% shooting from three, 
10 and a half rebounds per game. And that is alongside Nicole Jokic, who's averaging 30 a game over these last six games. And Jamal Murray, who's averaging 26 per game uh, on 53% shooting from the field, 46 and a half percent from three over these last six games before the break. Another stat on Murray that I found, he's averaging 11.3 drives per game over these last six games. That's oh, up wow. from 8.5 per game. Wow in the 28 games before that. So I wonder if a more space floor has led to more driving mm. for Jamal Murray. And here's another stat that I've just got to drop here because I think it's pretty incredible. We know Michael Porter doesn't rack up a ton of assists. He doesn't, I, I think if he tallied some more assists in this lineup, it would be beneficial because I do think one thing about the Nuggets, and this is crazy because their offense is already so good and they've practically been the best offensive team in the league over these last six games anyway, but there honestly could still be better ball movement. Yep. It's like crazy to say they've been such a good offense, but if they move the ball more, it could lead to even better offense. There are still way too many possessions where the ball sticks still too way too many possessions where they just don't find Nikola Jokic, which is just right. Right. But Michael Porter jr. Has the sixth fewest assists in the league per 36 minutes out of guys who have played at least 500 minutes and the five people in front of him in terms of dishing out fewer assists through 36 minutes, Mitchell Robinson, Brooke Lopez, Nerlens Noel, Miles Turner. And <laughs> uh, like a play finishing center. In terms of his assists, he's averaging 1.1 for 36 minutes. But, you know, it's okay. Um, it, it's okay because, you know, when he gets the ball, like I said, he's looking to score because he just doesn't get the ball that often, it seems like, even. It, sometimes you just need a finisher. There's enough creators on that team. Um, but, hey, there are actually signs of life in that regard. Like, not that he's ever going to be an assist guy, but some, like – He's making the extra pass, right? The final pass, the one more touch to the corner, like a little more than he was a month ago, I think. There, there was a play where he hit Barton on the wing, and Will Barton looked surprised that Porter <laughs> Like, yep. I think he fumbled the ball or something, or he messed up his footwork because he was just yep. surprised that Porter passed him the ball. Yeah. All right, uh, great show. Thanks for the questions, guys, in the Discord. Uh, we might be back Sunday night with some sort of stream alongside or after the All-Star game. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, at the very least, we'll be back uh, on Monday with another edition of the show. Heading into the All-Star break, uh, a well-deserved break for the Nuggets. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys next week. I want to tell you about the Colorado Hawks. You probably saw us on a post-game show this week wearing those Jokic for MVP shirts. The Colorado Hawks make those. And if you want one, head to JokicForMVP.com. They're super high quality. And it also supports a great cause because the Colorado Hawks are a nonprofit organization helping athletes from all over Colorado achieve dreams of playing sports at the next level and earning college scholarships. The Hawks produce high-level athletes in boys and girls basketball and soccer, and most importantly, this is an affordable program. They've never turned an athlete away due to cost. So that's something really cool that the Colorado Hawks do. With these shirts, 100% of the proceeds go right back into the program. So if you buy one of these shirts at JokicForMVP.com, you're supporting the Colorado Hawks, you're supporting athletes all over Colorado, many of which are underprivileged and normally wouldn't have that opportunity to play sports at a really high level. So check out those shirts today, JokicForMVP.com.